This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. I'm here to continue my series of podcasts with candidates for the Fisher City Council. Today I'm with Bill McClellan. He's a Democrat. He's a candidate for the Fisher City Council in the Northwest District. Bill, welcome. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for having me. Good to have it's you really with us. It's really good to be here. It's good to have you with us. Uh, Mike, Mike Fossold has been my partner on many of these. He has uh, family responsibilities, so he won't be able to be here. I will be incorporating some of his questions that he tends to ask. He asks some very good ones mm-hmm. as we talk to Bill here today. So, Bill, you're, you're at least publicly, you're new to the political scene. That's right. Here in Fisher. So I would like to start by just yeah. asking you to tell everyone something about yourself. Yeah. So I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, so I'm from the South. Uh, I moved here uh, in 2017, so I've been here about six years, and I'm a, I'm a data architect. So I moved here for work. I uh, lived in St. Louis for 13 years before that. Um, I've got four kids, and I've been involved in social justice work uh, as a minister. So um, I was a minister up until about 2013, and I, I had worked in data analytics and marketing and sales analytics through seminary, graduate school for ministers, and um, decided to get back into doing data analytics full-time um, and just ministry on the side. So. I'm heavily involved in in church activities, and uh, along with that, you know, social justice work, and uh, especially work uh, addressing Christian nationalism, which I believe is a, a real issue in our in our country right now. Uh, I think nationalism across the world, religious nationalism in particular, uh, is is an issue. And I do have so, some questions about that absolutely. later, so we will get to that later yeah. on. Uh, when you have a chance to run for office, uh, you have many choices as to what type of office you'd like to, to can't be a candidate sure. for. And you have chosen the Fisher City Council, which right. is a legislative body. That's right. Uh, if you were to be elected, you would be one of nine, and you would have one vote on that council. So it, it's a different world to say being a mayor or even a county commissioner where there are three people. That's mm-hmm. more of a – Administrative, you're 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 more of uh, someone who who is uh, the person and, and making decisions there. You're part of that legislative body. It's a little different uh, dynamic. Why did you choose to be a candidate to mm-hmm. be a part of a legislative body? I've always thought if I if I wanted to get into politics, that I would want to be in the legislative branch. I work as a consultant, uh, and I've I've always enjoyed. Uh, working in decision support. That's what data analytics really is. It's considered decision support. And uh, it's helping organizations, sometimes very large enterprises, um, make decisions about their data governance, about policies, about ethics around data and um, AI. And so I really love really getting into the weeds, the technical detail of policy. Um, a lot of the, the nerdy stuff that a lot of people don't think about, like uh, for me, zoning is, is just really fascinating in the way that, that cities uh, the way that cities have zoning policies is uh, uh, 
just really interesting to me, always has been. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, legislative issues right here in Fishers around data, data privacy, um, and the use of AI surveillance that are really interesting. There's not easy answers. Our culture is wrestling with, with big data and AI. And I love being a part of those policy discussions at large enterprises with churches. Um, and I'd like to be involved in that discussion um, in the city of Fishers. Well, I've got some more questions on that, but let me move awesome. to something else at the moment because uh, on your campaign website, on the very first page, mm-hmm. you have this phrase, build bridges, not boxes. So what kind of bridges and boxes are yeah. you talking about? So it kind of works on a couple levels, and I, you know, I intend people to be, be curious and wonder and read a little bit more. Um, on one level, there's definitely the bridge at 141 over 37, and this giant box of a city hall right here in um, in uh, downtown uh, Nickel Plate, right outside my window, flats it switch. So I don't mind the construction. They get started about the same time I do in the morning. Um, and I I know that the city, a new city hall was needed, and this one seems, you know, fantabulous. Uh, but I think the bridge should have been a priority. Now on the, the second level, um, I think, you know, we've we've gotten to the point in our in our culture where, you know, Republicans and Democrats almost live in two different worlds, not just think differently or have different ideas about the world. And we really need to be building bridges between those two places instead of the experience I've had with my kids in the schools and the libraries of trying to define, you know, what is a man, what is a woman, what is an American, um, what is, you know, pick your your thing, putting people in boxes. And I know that in the, uh, the technology world, if you want companies and people to come to your city and enjoy living there, you want them to be people who are innovative, companies that are innovative and think outside the box, while at the same time we're trying to rope people in, put people in boxes. Um, I just think that we need to be thinking outside of that. I want to go back to your campaign website, if I can, sure. because you state the following, and I quote, you want to make uh, to make our city government more transparent, especially in how we handle personal data and AI surveillance. I will work hard to keep Fishers a welcoming, safe place for everyone, residents and businesses alike. So let me break that down a little bit. I, I don't think I've ever... And this goes all the way to the early 70s when I started talking to candidates sure. uh, for office locally. I don't remember ever talking to a candidate who didn't make transparency a, a major mm-hmm. issue. And you have done that as well. So I guess my question is, what is your vision of what you would envision to be a more transparent city? Sure. So in data and AI, there are a lot of issues of transparency. We don't often know. It's... You know, we wonder how in the world are these machines making decisions about whether this is a dog or a cat in the picture or whether I'm um, a good person or a bad person, or likely to, um, to offend again, for example, with uh, algorithm-driven uh, sentencing. Uh, and uh, transparency in government is continually an issue because there's constantly uh, – 
you know, all over politics is attempts to keep things under wraps. Some things like political strategy can be kept under wraps, but we have open door laws for a reason. You don't have to tell people not to do something they're not going to do. So if there's a law saying you can't have certain kinds of meetings in secret, uh, there's a reason there's a law for that. And we've got um, we've got to uphold that. Um, now, I can talk about data transparency in particular. It's an, well, an me, issue let, I'm let concerned me, about. Uh, let, me, yeah. let me get to that because sure. uh, as part of that statement, do, and you've already referred to it several times just in this discussion, uh, personal data and AI surveillance. Uh, just the day we record this, the night before, 60 Minutes had a particularly interesting piece from the man they is widely known as the, the father of AI, and his basic message was artificial intelligence will do wonderful things for us, but we better be careful because mm-hmm. if we're not careful, AI is going to take over us. <laughs> and that's literally what he said. I'm not saying that would happen, but right. if we're not careful, right. it could. You are, you're talking more about the handling of the data being collected and the surveillance side of, of AI. So what concerns you there? Sure. Uh, so... With data in particular, the city has started uh, compiling data from homeowners associations across the city to see you know, which single-family residences are owner-occupied versus renter-occupied. And we do have issues we need to address around um, rental properties and in large investment companies coming in, buying up a lot of homes and renting them out. And um, But the city has kind of gone... Uh, rogue in collecting data that in a way that it, uh, it didn't have the license for, you could say, from homeowners. And uh, the purpose of this was to give city inspectors and uh, police officers, when they show up at a, at a call or a complaint, uh, knowledge about is this, is this place owner-occupied or renter-occupied. Now, I love statistics. I think somebody in the city might want to know that if they're open and clear with licensing around data with the homeowners and all the homeowners know that their homeowner association is sharing data with the city. Um, But an officer showing up to a home uh, should be prepared for for any uh, risk factors there. But whether someone is a renter or not is not one of those risk factors. So we should not uh, be biasing city inspectors or officers uh, and that's just an issue called role-based access control. Any any organization is going to let some people see certain data that's related to their jobs. Other people see other data that's related to their jobs. Nobody, even the CEO, sees all the data because you don't want her or him to, to mess it up. Um, and uh, so that means we shouldn't let people who might be biased, surely they wouldn't intend to, um, know about uh someone's ownership status of their home when they're going there. So well, we can talk about AI as well. That was part of your question. But the low tech is just, let me, just get, a database. Let me ask one follow-up to what you just said, because one thing that uh, the police department has used extensively, uh, license plate readers. That's they are, right. They are now yeah, common. Flock, and right? uh, Flock is the company right. that uh, puts that out. It, uh, basically, they read your license plate in a way to 
to do law enforcement. I'll sure. Put it that way. I won't get into all the weeds of it. Do you have any concerns about that? So specifically the license plate reading for detective work after a crime has been committed. You know, we've all seen television shows where they're zooming in on the license plate and then doing something magical to, to uh, clear it up. And Flock is good at that. But now Flock uh, uh, sells itself as also being able to recognize your car. Say you drive a Camry and there's thousands of, just say, blue Camrys on the road. They can recognize your blue Camry. That's not as accurate. It can still be useful in detective work, though. But part of the problem is that it could, and Flock sells it this way, and to my knowledge, the city's not using it this way yet, but saying, hey, so-and-so just drove through an intersection, um, go get them. Or this car is more likely to commit a crime. Say if it's an 84 Camry, maybe it's more likely to commit a crime. Then, and they can send people out after it. Now, hopefully the city would never do that. But as a legislator, I would want to say there's certain policies where just because, you know, we've always had trouble in our society with people matching the description of something or someone and being profiled. And we don't want 84 Camrys to be profiled. So um, Yeah, then you get improbable cause. That's which right. Which is a legal issue. <laughs> that's Do right. you have probable cause to stop so on and so forth? So Very, I think the yeah. city has the expertise to decide okay. how to do these. But I think that just like in any organization, there needs to be data governance and AI governance. So just what I would propose is an ordinance that just says the city needs to tell the council once a year what its policy is around uh, data protection, the use of data, and AI. And uh, they need to, the, the council needs to hold them accountable for abiding by their own policy, and there needs to be public comment on that policy. So AI surveillance, obviously you've already touched on that, sure. uh, but you're looking at it uh, at a much, as a much bigger issue. What is that issue in your view? So um, I would say it's fairness. Algorithms, you know, by their nature, discriminate. There's actually some called discriminate. There's discriminate analysis. And the whole idea is uh, Amazon doesn't want to recommend, say, eat, pray, love to me. They want to recommend it to somebody that's going to buy it. So uh, they discriminate on the basis of, you know, perfectly reasonable attributes. You know, I've bought certain books before. Somebody else has bought a whole different kind of set of books. But algorithms discriminate, and we don't want them to discriminate unfairly against our citizens. And there is lots of evidence across society that that is happening in some situations, that uh, people of color uh, are unfairly, and, and women, and many other you know, historically marginalized communities are uh, uh, discriminated against by algorithms just because algorithms are driven by data. And they don't learn by, by programmers telling them what to do. They learn by large data sets. And if society already has biases, then that data is necessarily biased. It doesn't mean we can't use it at all. It means we have to be really careful um, to, to use the data in a wise way. And we have to be careful that algorithms are not making decisions we don't want them to make, like in sentencing um, or... Uh, deciding a civil case or deciding a uh, 
financial penalty when someone loses a lawsuit um, or deciding who is a renter or not uh, or who might commit a crime uh, or who, who might have committed a crime uh, and when you don't have probable cause. Let me move to something else you've already alluded to. Uh, you, on your website, refer to religious nationalists. That's right. Uh, what specific people, let's say in Fishers, do you view as religious nationalists? Yeah, sure. So uh, Moms for Liberty and Fishers One are your, your clear examples of, of nationalism. It's not about religion. It's about the nationalism tied to religion. And nationalism essentially is equating a nation – uh, which is an identity with a uh, political group, whether that's, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the city of Fishers or the state of Indiana or the country saying that essentially, you know, underneath maybe some diversity or variation that we allow, that there, the, the country has some essential definition and that in that definition is we are a Christian country or in another place in the world, say, say, India is officially by its constitution a secular state, but Hindu nationalism has become a driving factor there. And it is essentially this idea that at its heart, despite a lot of diversity and variation, India is one thing, which is a Hindu nation. And there are a lot of folks – I grew up in a Christian nationalist community. Um, And so, you know, in the 80s. I remember lots of these conversations that were really niche at that time. We knew that we were in a small minority, uh, but it's become it's become mainstream to say that we need to, as Christians, take dominion over our country. Uh, we need to hold on to our country or the uh, secularists or humanists or whoever, liberals, Democrats, whoever you want to pick, are going to take it away from us. I think a lot of the hysteria over trans kids fits into this because it's all about definitions and essences and who gets to define what someone or something is. Uh, I won't get into it. It's, it's pretty technical, but that's a lot of what I do in uh, data. It's called ontology, and there's a, a branch of philosophy. I was a philosophy major in college. Uh, called ontology, and it's all about the definitions of things. It what makes something itself versus something else that's the same thing but a different type of it or a different variation of it. And so uh, we're often in places where we're, we're recognizing there's some variation, and if we want control over society, we say, okay, well, I'm only going to let that variation go so far until I – you know, make it run up against some essential definition. And uh, that's what's happened with, you know, America being a so-called Christian country or fishers being one thing, trying to unify fishers. There's many fishers. There's many different places in fishers. I like the density of the Nickel Plate District. A lot of folks in my district over near Allisonville, they don't want density. Um, I talk to people who have very different worldviews. Um, very different visions for our city, uh, very different backgrounds. Two people living in the same value house, one person might have inherited the money to live there. Another person might be a renter whose income allows them to pay that rent, but they're not able to purchase the home. So there are many fishers. We don't need to, you know, a lot of times a call for unity is actually more divisive than just allowing diversity. I'm going to go from that to- <clears throat> 
something more mundane, budgets. Sure. Because on the day we record this, the mayor and the city council uh, are about to finalize uh, the 2024 budget. I always look at, at when a mayor and a city council fashion a budget, I mm-hmm. look at that as a statement of priorities. That's right. Now, that uh, how should I say this? How would you evaluate what you've seen? And as a candidate, I'm sure you've looked at it. How would you evaluate the, the mayor and the council, their, the majority of the council, their, their priorities as they have shown them in the budget that they're about to approve? I think debating priorities is where we should be as a as a city as government should be debating priorities and taxes and money um, not uh, some of the other culture war issues we've been distracted by so I'm glad you asked that question um, budgets and priorities are really what I what I want to be talking about. So uh, I think that the city and the city council have come to a, a good place. I think the city government in our city, you know, the people are good. We can work together. This is an example of a successful, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats working together um, to come up with, with priorities for the city. And I feel like it's, it's heartening when we're focused on, on budgets as opposed to um, the culture war issues uh, that – you know, I might happen to know more about, but I would prefer not to be talking about um, because I'd, I'd prefer to be talking about nerdy stuff like like numbers. Yes, nerdy, but important. I, Absolutely. I'm, I'm, having been a, and re- I, as a retired government tax law specialist, I'm obviously a bit of a nerdy person. Absolutely. I, I own the identity. We have something in Fishers that uh, insiders like to describe as Swiss cheese areas. That's you a, right. You have a lot of them in your northwest district. I do. And the real issue, I think, is, is one of safety. And Mike likes to ask this question when he's with me. That, you know, he gives an, gives an example of he lives in Sedona Woods, just next to mm-hmm. your district, and Promise Road. You could not walk from, from his housing addition. We used to live there, too, my wife and I. You can't walk from there to Fishers High School. Right. It's not safely because there are no sidewalks. And the reason there are no sidewalks is that a large part of that area is Swiss cheese. They, mm-hmm. It's within the city of Fishers, the, the city limits, but it's it's a carved out area. There's a lot of reasons why I can get into why it happened that yeah, way. Sure. But uh, we have these enclaves of, of areas that are not part of the, the city. And his biggest concern was the safety issue of not being able to build sidewalks, spike paths, whatever you might mm. want to say. In uh, busy areas, and, and, you know, Promise Roads become a very busy area. You've oh, got yeah. busy areas, and 126th Street in your district is mm-hmm. a great example. There are many others of so-called Swiss cheese areas where there are no sidewalks. That's right. So how does the city go about uh, dealing with this issue? We definitely want those sidewalks, but it's got to be a negotiation. Cities happen over time, and essentially by contracts, and we have to honor – we have to honor contracts. We don't want cities just coming in and saying, we have, a, we have an ideal for how things should be. We're going to make it that way. Oh, we've got a history. Those, the people that live in those um, Swiss cheese holes, um, uh, they have a history. And so we've got to uh, walk a fine line between negotiating new contracts, essentially, is what we're talking about, trying to negotiate new contracts for – for you know what land is counted as city of Fishers and what is not, 
um, and people own that land. So this is an area I think people in government need to be good negotiators and need to not just push um, idealism over, you know, uh, a history of how things came to be the way that they are. Already a couple of times in this conversation, you have mentioned 141st Street and State Road 37. Right. Uh, the mayor says the bid will be awarded That's great. in 2024. And the project completion will be either in 2024 or 25. Um, so it looks like it's being addressed. The bids that first came in were were really not serious uh, based on everything that I saw. The, the, the contractors just wanted to put a bid in to have one in, but they were not reasonable or anywhere near the engineer's estimates. And at that time, the construction business was in a different place. So my question to you is, how would you have handled this situation differently? It's a good question. So uh, from what I understand, the, uh, the bids were not unserious. They were just high. Um, we were at a time uh, where everybody thought that inflation was temporary. You know, the Biden administration was saying it's temporary. It wasn't. Um, we we wanted to to time the market better. And I know we're still waiting. The mayor has said at several city councils that we're waiting for better um, uh, interest rate times. Um, sometimes it's it's fine to wait. You know, sell your home when. The market is high. Buy a home when interest rates and uh, the market is low. Uh, but we could have gone over budget, uh, but not drastically over budget. We would have had to postpone building a new city hall. We wouldn't have been able to build a new city hall before the election if we had built that bridge. Um, now, we could not have brought uh, money for other roundabout projects, uh, say at Allisonville and 146, Allisonville and 141, those dollars were not free to take. But city money is, is what was missing in the uh, 141 bridge. We had, uh, we had state money, we had uh, uh, government money, uh, but we, did not, we didn't want it to go as far over budget as it was going to if we had built it at the time. Now, it's not going to be any less expensive to build it next year, but the prices, thankfully, inflation has leveled off a little bit. Um, and I'm glad that the mayor is going to build it next year. Um, I think priorities are worth disagreeing about. I think this is one where if all my disagreements uh, were over when bridges and city halls were built, I would be a happy happy person. Um, so I think this is the kind of thing that deserves robust debate, but friendly debate. Um, uh, I think it's, it's different when you're into culture war issues. Um, I, you know, I'd rather be arguing over City Hall and the bridge than, than the culture war issues that are splitting our, our city. You have expressed on your website uh, your support for the HSC schools and the referendum that will be That's on right. the same ballot your name will be on. Um, we had a what I consider an unprecedented situation a few weeks ago where the mayor, the city council got together, city council unanimously on a bipartisan basis, uh, passed a resolution supporting the referendum. So the school board and uh, the city council and the mayor are all on board with this. 
uh, supporting this referendum. What's your? I think you stated your position right. on the referendum. Why do you take that position? So, all four of my kids have been in. Uh, the HSE schools. One has graduated now and gone to IU. The other three are still in the schools at uh, Fishers High School and Fishers Junior High and um, uh, Harrison Parkway Elementary. I really believe in what the schools are doing. Um, I was really disheartened for a long period of time when, uh, you know, four of the new uh, school board members were were running and talking about uh, you know, the, the school was too expensive and we didn't necessarily need this referendum or why did we need it or, you know, pretty much running against it. And, you know, they were also ag- against uh, masking and CRT in schools and Black Lives Matter and all of these other things and getting their funding from, I mean, those four city councilors that are uh, school board members that flipped that school board and have pushed our um, superintendent out. Uh, were funded by the mayor and city councilors. So I am glad that they've come around. Watching how the the sausage was made was very interesting. Getting to a unanimous city council and a unanimous school board was really, uh, it was heartening to see the the city debate, the people show up and, and holding officials accountable so that they all did decide publicly to back the referendum. And the school board had a 6-0 uh, vote with one abstention. So That's I guess right. there was no no vote, but <laughs> there was an abstention, which, is, right. uh, which was kind of interesting. Well, we're just about out of time, Bill, so I'm going to give you a minute or two just to explain why voters should vote for you in the Northwest District. I believe that having someone who is um, – a technologist, an analyst, somebody that is very um, detail-oriented can uh, serve the, the policy-making uh, role that city council has. Um, I am, uh, you know, a father. Uh, I have kids who are straight, kids who are queer, and the energizing factor in me saying, yes, I'll run, was um, people attacking my kids, calling me a groomer, um, people like me, um, groomers, and uh, I feel like I will uh, stand up against that, say that it has no place in our city, while at the same time being willing to have vigorous but friendly debate uh, with, with all sides. There's, there's not just two opinions in our, in our city. There's, there's lots of different opinions um, besides just – you know, within the different Republican and Democrat camps, we all uh, ultimately are minorities of one. We're individuals. So we all have to uh, debate. I was a um, debate champion in, in South Carolina growing up, and um, I've loved explaining, teaching, uh, you know, things from everything from, you know, what a certain Bible passage might mean for someone to well, how do algorithms work? When, what's the difference between um, a regular database and a data warehouse? Or what's the, the difference between a, um, a machine learning model that's built on regression versus one that's a complete black box that's built on um, uh, neural networks? You know, these are things that you know, we want someone on city council that understands these things. Not everybody in government needs to. Um, but... Someone who is willing to really ask 
hard questions and listen to other viewpoints. I'm, I'm very good, and I change my mind often at work. Sometimes people don't know what to do, and I throw out an idea, and it's a horrible idea, and everybody, and then that gets people talking. And uh, sometimes I, I feel like that's my role, to get people talking and bring up points, sometimes very logical points that people aren't thinking about, that once they think about, they might say, no, Bill's completely wrong, but this got me thinking, why don't we do it this way? Um, and I, I feel like that role of a, of a consultant and a policymaker and a debater is something uh, my constituents can feel confident that I will um, uh, carry out in their, in their best interest. Bill McClellan, excuse me, <clears throat> Bill McClellan is a Democrat running for the Northwest District seat on the Fishers City Council. Bill, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Larry.